I'm Dale Denwald. And I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. One of Oklahoma's top elected Republicans is now a Democrat. Joy Hoffmeister, elected twice as the state superintendent of public instruction, said she will challenge Governor Kevin Stitt next year for the state's top elected office. Joining us to talk about this development is reporter Carmen Foreman, who covers the Oklahoma politics and the state capitol. My co-host, Nuria, also covered the announcement, and that's where we'll begin. Nuria, you spoke with Superintendent Hofmeister on the day she announced the party switch and her campaign. What is her motivation for running? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think there had been a lot of rumors and, and people just on Twitter kind of surmising that she might challenge Stitt someday. But I think a lot of people assumed she would primary him and the Republican Party. Uh, the, the party switch, I think, was the bigger surprise. But if you asked uh, Joy Hoffmeister, you know, why are you running? Uh, she talks a lot about how uh, Kevin Stitt is, and I believe her words are, running Oklahoma into the ground and how he's hijacked the Republican Party, that she she says she's concerned about um, extremism and partisanship being the the priority for for the governor rather than issues and Oklahomans. I'm sure the Stitt campaign would would vehemently disagree with that, but that's what uh, Superintendent Hoffmeister has said are are some of her primary reasons for running is she she doesn't like the direction that Stitt is taking Oklahoma and and she thinks she could do a better job. And as I began to watch a pattern of leadership uh, under Governor Stitt, I became concerned about extremism and partisanship and ineffective leadership uh, with his leadership as a Republican. Now, she's frequently butted heads with Governor Stitt over policy matters and not just education policies or education issues that you would expect the state superintendent to be vocal about. It seems they don't see eye to eye on a lot of subjects. What else is there out there? So before she launched her campaign, she became increasingly critical of Stitt, specifically during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, she she rarely openly criticizes the governor and, you know, uses his name. A lot of it is um, her opposing particular issues that the governor has supported um, or, you know, I, I mean, the most recent example is when the governor called for an investigative audit of the State Department of Education, and she called that an attack on Oklahoma's public education system. But, you know, in the past, she was a vocal supporter of mask mandates in public schools, um, and then Stitt signed legislation that thwarted that. And, and you know, as public schools found a loophole in that law. She, you know, became more and more open about supporting them and doing that and then saying that the State Department of Ed would not enforce that law that uh, gets in the way of school boards uh, mandating masks. So there have been certain policy issues. I think she also did kind of go out of her way. She was a part of a healthy Oklahoma press conference months ago um, where somebody, it, it wasn't even a question that I think was addressed to her. Um, and she kind of jumped in and said, you know, we can't be on the sidelines. Nobody can be on the sidelines. And, and, I, and I believe, the, you know, the subject matter was whether Stitt had done enough 
to address COVID. And I think specifically it was um, whether Stitt had done enough to encourage people to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Because, you know, we I think a lot of us remember when he got the shot back in March, the J&J shot, but he hasn't really been vocal about like telling Oklahomans, hey, you need to do this um, and, and just really, I don't know, promoting the vaccines as much ever since then. Yeah. And so in response to that question, she she kind of jumps in and says, you know, we can't be on the sidelines on this issue. Um, so it's it's been a lot of things like that. Um, and, and they've increased in their frequency. And her her bluntness has only kind of gained steam over that time. Um, and I think that's originally what led a lot of people to think, well, maybe she would run against it in the future. Um, and then she you know, finally pulled the trigger and said that she would. Oklahoma has picked a Republican governor in five of the last seven elections. Um, Carmen, you know this, uh, Nuria, uh, this is a predominantly Republican state, which begs the question, why switch parties? Nuria, what did, what did the superintendent say? Again, she kind of repeats the 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 statement that you know she thinks that Stitt has uh, hijacked the Republican Party in Oklahoma, um, and that you know he has led the party in a direction that she doesn't support. Um, and you know, I asked her, you know, that similarly to what you asked us that. You know, Oklahoma hasn't elected a, a Democratic governor since 2006. Um, you know, what pathway did you see to the governor's office? Um, what, you know, what pathway to victory did you see as a Democrat? And she, you know, she said that that's not the way that she thought about it. That's not the way that she came to that decision was, you know, what the numbers said. But I think any political candidate has to try to find a viable pathway to an election victory. And, you know, I, I don't think that I'm qualified to say, you know, what that would be. So I guess, you know, Carmen might, might weigh in on that. Yeah, I guess just like reading between the lines, I would say that Joy Hoffmeister wouldn't have switched parties unless she felt like she had to. Um, because she could still be a moderate Republican. And, you know, had she gotten the Republican nomination for governor, she could essentially sort of mold the party after her because she would be, you know, in the running to be the state's top elected official. But the thing that I think about, and and Nuria just mentioned about the mask mandates and how Hoffmeister has been a supporter of the mask mandates. Well, let's look at Republicans across the country. Many of them have not supported mask mandates, uh, whether it's mask mandates in schools, mask mandates in businesses, mask mandates in cities or states. You know, they just don't support them, period, in large part. And so it's things like that that kind of work against Hoffmeister's ability to be electable within the Republican Party. Not to mention the fact that, you know, Governor Stitt is extremely likely to win the Republican primary. He already has a few other candidates running against him, but they're unlikely to raise significant amount of money or, you know, get together a large voter base. Um, Stitt already has a cash advantage. And by running as a Democrat, Joy Hoffmeister has a chance to have, you know, a few more months as opposed to a June primary and November general election to raise money, get her name out there and criticize Stitt, which, 
she sees as a way to win, to help her win. But it's it's interesting, though, when you look at the particular platform that she's running on and what she has said um, surrounding that. Um, she's chosen three issues as her three primary um, platform topics, which are um, healthcare, infrastructure, and education. And those are three issues that those are not quite as political. I mean, you can take a political stance on all three of those, but those are things that can appeal on both sides of the aisle. And when, you know, when when we asked her, you know, where do you stand on these more liberal issues, um, some of the more uh, democratic priorities like reproductive rights, gun control, things like that, she says, look, I am the same person with the same views that I had yesterday when I was a Republican. And that is very interesting to see, you know, when if what kind of Democrat she is when she puts those politics into practice. Well, I am the same person I was yesterday and have the same values, the same positions as I've had before. And what I see is that most Oklahomans are focused on values related to uh, common sense, respecting one another, working together. And I share that regardless of party I'm in. But I've never taken my cues from extremes in either party. And then Carmen, what's been the reaction among Democrats to Hoffmeister joining their party as a candidate for governor? Just kind of keying off of, of that subject of, you know, what kind of Democrat she might be and, and what people already in the party think about her. So what you said about how Hoffmeister basically said that, you know, she's changing our party, but she's not changing who she is or what she believes. Well, frankly, that worries some Democrats. So I guess I would, if you look at the Democratic Party as a whole, I would split out the super progressive Democrats or the very liberal Democrats. Let's think those who supported like Bernie Sanders in the few, in previous presidential races. Those are the folks that are largely really kind of mad about Hoffmeister just switching parties and uh, joining the Democratic Party. And some of those folks say, you know, she's just doing it for her own personal gain. And she's really they they think that she's going to be unwilling to, um, you know, adopt any of the Democratic Party ideals or values or, you know, campaign for things like preventing gun violence or you know, increasing access to abortions, things that are very key issues amongst Democrats. But then you have a larger faction of the Democratic Party in Oklahoma that's a bit more, no offense to the others, realistic. Um, And I guess we could call these folks the anyone but stit Democrats, okay? And so they recognize that um, former state senator Connie Johnson Uh, who is also running for the Democratic nomination for governor, you know, maybe doesn't stand that good of a chance of beating Governor Stitt. Um, She hasn't traditionally been well-funded. She ran four years ago and uh, lost the nomination to Drew Edmondson. And so they just don't see her, Connie Johnson, as a much more progressive Democrat, as a viable option to beat Stitt. And so Hoffmeister comes along. She's you know, excited to be a Democrat. And they're like, heck yes, we will take anyone because anyone is better than Stitt, in their opinion. So it'll be interesting. What I'm curious to see is that if 
Joy Hoffmeister gets the nomination, uh, the Democratic nomination, if a lot of those liberal and super progressive Democrats in Oklahoma will still vote for her, even though they think it's wrong that she switched parties. Or (laughs) you could have the other scenario in which they simply don't vote in the governor's race because they don't see either candidate as a viable candidate. Well, we've already seen two former Democratic governors, Brad Henry and David Walters, uh, voice support for Joy Hoffmeister's campaign. But some who sit further to the left, like you mentioned, they don't really seem so excited about having a chance to vote for uh, someone who, up until a couple of weeks ago, was uh, solidly Republican. We know that she'll have to face someone in the primary election. Uh, if she wins that, she'll go on to face the Republican nominee, who is likely to be Kevin Stitt. Uh, what kind of voter base does she need to be courting uh, to pull um, uh, enough of a, of a coalition together to not only win the primary, but go on to win the general election. What does that voting base look like? So it looks like that she's looking for moderates, political moderates, either those that are Dems, Republicans, or those that are independents. Um, And she thinks that, you know, she's tried to portray Governor Stitt as this sort of extremist within the party, um, which in some cases I would kind of disagree with because he's not even as... um, conservative as some Republican governors that we've seen. You know, he he has he when Trump was president, he embraced Trump. He, he you know, spoke highly of Trump. But after the election, uh, Governor Stitt was one of the first Republicans in the state to acknowledge that President Joe Biden won the election. He is not one of those Republicans that has said publicly that there was widespread election fraud Um And, you know, I saw this week down in Texas that Governor Abbott is blocking uh, vaccine mandates at businesses, right? And and Governor Stitt has taken a different approach. Some might say a a more moderate approach that he has said, you know, private businesses operate without the government's interference. And he's basically said, I'm not going to tell them how to run their businesses. Anyway, so back to Joy Hoffmeister. Like Nuria said, she's trying to... zero in on these sort of non-controversial issues, right? Everybody cares. Everybody with kids in Oklahoma wants their kids to get a good education and go to a good school and have good teachers. And, you know, we all want to drive on roads and bridges that are not falling apart. And we want to get internet service at our houses, right? So, Things like infrastructure, things like education, those can kind of appeal to everyone. The problem that Hoffmeister will face is that this is a state that twice went for Trump, every single county. So, you know, if you looked at the field of Republican candidates for president, Trump was not the moderate there. I mean, he was, he definitely was not. And on that note, I mean, like our state has more registered Republicans than Democrats and independents combined. Now, not every single person will get out and vote, but if you keep that in mind when you think about the election, it it begs the question, how can Hoffmeister make this happen? But I think her strategy is basically to zero in on the voters, especially Republicans, who voted for Stitt last time, and in the past four years have not liked some of the things that he's done. 
And so by criticizing Stitt and painting herself as a different candidate, she thinks that she can win those voters over this time around. Yeah, and Hoffmeister has experience unseating an incumbent in a primary election. Uh, During her first election, she beat State Superintendent Janet Barisi with the support of teachers, some of whom switched their own party affiliation to vote in the Republican primary. It seems like she is going to have to sway some Republicans. If she were to win, she would have to convince Republicans to vote for her and to vote Democratic. Um, do you? Is there any chance, though, that some Republicans will cross over to vote in the Democratic primary? I think that that is more unlikely. Um, okay, so here in Oklahoma, we ha- Democrats have open primaries, right? So independents are allowed to vote in the Democratic primary. So I could see um, some folks some registered independents getting really involved in the primary because maybe they want to vote for Joy Hoffmeister. I think it's less likely that Republicans will, in droves, change their voter registration so they can participate in the Democratic primary. Um, I think, I guess, if I were a registered Republican, I'm I'm a registered independent, if I were a registered Republican, I would think, okay, well, Hoffmeister stands a good chance of making it to the general election. If I stayed a registered Republican and I wanted to support her, I could just vote for her there. Or you could also think about, you know, you could be a registered Republican and you could donate to her campaign if you want to support her that way. I just don't think that, um, you know, necessarily switching your party affiliation is the way to do it. But I could be wrong. It's still early and we could see a wave of Republicans switching their party affiliation. I mean, after the the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, there was all this talk of, you know, oh, we're going to see a wave of Republicans switch their party affiliation to Democrat or to independent or something other than Republican. And, you know, Oklahoma's just I'm not saying that trend may not be playing out here in small doses, but Oklahoma is a very conservative, very Republican state. And even those who have been registered Republicans for a long time I and maybe have frustrations with the party, I think are inclined to stay registered Republicans. And, and I think it might be beneficial uh, to her campaign if she can, um, you know, point to a group of Republicans and say, look at these Republicans there for me. Um, you know, even though I've switched my party affiliation, et cetera, you know, Republicans for Joy Hoffmeister, I'm sure we'll see some Facebook groups uh, and, and signs saying that. Exactly. I remember what what was it when um, Mike Hunter was up for election? There was a big group of Democrats for Mike Hunter because, you know, they they cross party lines to support him. And I think that does sway some voters to say, oh, this, you know, this person is moderate enough that they can pick up voters on both sides. And I'm very interested to see the kind of support she has amongst educators, because I will say everybody that I've spoken to in the education field, and obviously I haven't spoken to everybody, but the people that I've talked to all speak very highly of Joy Hoffmeister. Um, And these, a lot of these people, I'm sure, vote Republican when it's time to head to the voting booth. So I'm interested to see the um, the kind of support she gets from people in the education field who maybe typically vote conservative, but in in this case, 
might make an exception uh, for her because they've worked with her or they, you know, admire her from her what she she did in education. And and I think in the metro, a lot of educators, you know, I, I don't mean to speak for everyone, but there are quite a few liberal uh, teachers and educators in, in the metro area. But once you reach farther out into the rural parts of the state, um, people still seem to highly respect Joy Hoffmeister if they've had to work with her. Um, and, and so I'm fascinated to see um, if she can garner some conservative support through through that unique base. But as I'm sure the number of Oklahomans and the number of voters far outnumber the 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 count of teachers and people who work in schools. So I don't know if they'll be more of a blip than anything. Yeah, I'm also curious to see how people view her, like, her legacy as superintendent of public instruction, you know, because as a whole, and Nuria, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Oklahoma's statistics on education still aren't that great. So, you know, are people going to look at that and say Joy Hoffmeister is to blame for that? Or are they going to look at that and say Joy Hoffmeister has tried to make it better? I don't know. I think that'll be interesting. I've never heard anybody blame her for schools being the way they are. I think partly because they were like that before her tenure and and they will probably be like that afterward. Um, But yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that she was the the state's top education official for uh, seven years now. And, um, you know, the scores, test scores aren't where we want them to be. But you also do need to consider that we've just faced a major crisis in education during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I think that's another way that some people would say, eh, maybe don't put it all on her back. Now, before Joy Hoffmeister gets the general election, she needs to win the primary. She'll be facing off against lifelong Democrats, including well-known statewide candidate and former state Senator Connie Johnson, who you mentioned. Um, you know, I'm Put your your political acumen and your your knowledge of, uh, of how things work on the line here. Um, does Joy Hoffmeister stand a chance in the Democratic primary? I think so, unless she totally rubs Democrats the wrong way. Um, if she, you know, let's take for example that Hoffmeister says that she would support. Um, let's say she's asked about abortion and she says she would support implementing a uh, Texas-style law to restrict abortion. So basically what's going on in Texas right now. If, if you said that and you were running for the Democratic nomination for governor, I don't think that that would play very well. So sh- I think we'll see her be very, very careful about what she says leading up to the um, the primary election. And that that'll, I think that will be tough because she will have to debate Connie Johnson and she will have to outline policy priorities and not just give these vague statements about, oh, I, I want to improve infrastructure or improve education. I mean, she's going to be asked detailed questions and she'll have to respond. And that could piss off some Democrats, how she responds, depending on how she responds. But largely, I think she's going to be far better funded than Connie Johnson. Um, and I think she stands a real chance to win the primary. So, okay, I have this crazy theory and (laughs) um, it's wild. So there are two petitions relating to marijuana that could be on the ballot next year. My guess is if they make it through all the steps, they get the signatures, they withstand legal challenges, they would end up on the primary ballot. Um, And one would legalize recreational marijuana for those 21 and older in Oklahoma. 
And so I have this crazy theory that, um, and this is, this is not totally absurd. The marijuana advocates, a lot of them love Connie Johnson. She was one of the first state lawmakers to really stand up for, you know, cannabis and say, hey, we should do more on cannabis. We should legalize cannabis in some way or another. And so if she's on the ballot and legal weed is on the ballot, I could just see that being some sort of wild election. And granted, I think there's a very small percent chance of that, but the agent of chaos in me would kind of like to see how that plays out. And then when Hoffmeister ran for re-election in 2018, she garnered more votes statewide than Kevin Stitt. But that was when she was running as a Republican. So from your conversations with political analysts and maybe politicians themselves, I mean, what are they saying are her chances of actually unseating Governor Stitt if they meet in the general election next year? I mean, does she have a shot? It depends who you ask, and it depends what side of the aisle they're on. So you ask a Republican consultant, and they'll probably tell you that Hoffmeister stands a very, very small chance, like a very long shot chance. You ask a Democratic consultant, and they'll tell you that Hoffmeister stands a pretty good chance. So it's, it's kind of up in the air. Um, and the political winds could change a lot in the next year or year, year plus month or whatever. Um, you know, so those people that have been, you know, there are some people that may have voted for Stitt and are now upset with the way he handled the COVID-19 pandemic. But, you know, a year from now, we may not even be talking about COVID every day. We may not be thinking about it. Or on the other hand, it could be another full-blown pandemic with the Delta variant becoming the, you know, Delta triple whatever variant and we have no vaccines that can stop it. You know, it's just, it's so hard to know. It does seem like drops in the governor's approval rating have kind of coincided with spikes in COVID-19 in Oklahoma. Um, but he's still a relatively popular guy in the state. I mean, like recent polling showed his approval rating was at 50%. Most Republicans really love him and he's very likely to sweep almost all of the rural areas, especially with that Republican, with that R, big R by his name. And so Hoffmeister will really, really, really have to zero in on the metro areas and then try to shore up her margins as she can in the rural areas with as you said, Nuria, trying to build on that educator support that she has and ensure that those people get out and vote for her. Well, Carmen, thank you so much for uh, bringing your political analysis and expertise um, to, to help contextualize what uh, was a big piece of news in Oklahoma in the past week or so. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans' subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read all these stories and more every day in The Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.